You made me look like a fool this night. You made me look like a It all comes back to Nacho Libre. Of course. I believe um, in science. Yeah, I think. Love begins at home. Love begins at home. Your mamas and your papas and your brothers and your sisters and your neighbors too. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Love Begins at Home. Uh, We are very excited to have another episode ready for you guys today, um, where we are discussing today the topic of atheism and also agnosticism um, and what those two ideals mean and how we can um, how we can, I guess, come to um, more knowledge of that and, and teach you all who are listening on uh, how we can uh, bring others who don't believe in the one true God uh, and pull them into that reality of this God that is real and loves them and wants them to be uh, present with him. So before we do that, let's go ahead and open with a prayer and we can ask our buddy Jorge to lead that. And no one has a hat on today, so we can... We're getting so much it. better with not wearing hats. We really yeah, are. We are. Yeah. Right. Like just professional. I think it's because my hair is thinning, so I'm trying to do everything <laughs> I can to keep it healthy. Because <laughs> I also I cut my hair, so I don't need a, a hat anymore. Yeah, you don't have the man bun cut. anymore. <laughs> All right, let's it. do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this new opportunity to be to being together in this podcast thank you for the friendship thank you because you called each of us to um to be your servants your missionaries uh, help us spread your uh your gospel to explain uh um what we believe and that whatever we say in this podcast might help others to get closer to you to love you more and to love you more and to serve you um, better we ask all these things in 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 the name of your son jesus christ amen amen and father son holy spirit amen. amen amen all right so atheism and agnosticism first off let's go ahead and define what those terms mean um so atheism for all of you who are wondering what that word means is um, it's the belief that there is no God. Yes. Correct? Yes. So Correct. A, the, the consonant A mm-hmm. in Greek or, or, you know, like Latin, it means without. So theism, God. So A, Theos, theism, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. You know, without God. Without God. Yeah. And then the term agnosticism, I think a lot of people kind of get these atheism and agnosticism kind of mixed up. But mm-hmm. agnosticism is... Uh, the belief that there could be a God, um, but the person in this state of mind doesn't necessarily know if there is God or not. So yes. they're just unsure and they don't really follow any sort of religious belief. Gnostic yeah. is knowledge. So A, without without knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there is a distinction there, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. They, they get blurred sometimes. Yeah. And so we wanted to dive into these two um, these two beliefs systems because uh um it just seems that as um you all 
um, continue to grow and uh, become adults and uh, go out into the real world, you're going to be facing a lot more of these challenges um, in regards to what you believe as a, a Catholic and um, the challenges that come against your beliefs. And um, it turns out there, there are a lot of people out there that don't believe in God. Um, and even now we're seeing it uh, really prevalent amongst young people in the church as well. So we want to address those topics today and um, just have a really good conversation, a good dialogue about um, how we can invite people to maybe have a different posture on um, their belief and challenge their um, their stances on this atheism or this agnosticism that they experience and give them some sort of evidence, some sort of tangible way to grasp that, yes, there is a God out there who loves them and wants the best for them and wants them to be drawn to him. So we're going to discuss that today. Um, but for you guys, you know, Bible Brad and Jorge, within ministry, um, you know, we we sit down with teens a lot, and whether it be like during the classes we have or maybe on retreat, we, we've had many conversations with teens who struggle with the belief and struggle with... Um, you know, that uncertainty of well, how do I know that God is real or how do I know that there is a God, right? And I think we all experience that. But from time to time, we come across um, a teen who may just say, I don't believe. I really don't. This is my parents uh, doing to push me here to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't believe this stuff. Um, so why do you think we have kids within the church that um, maybe have this mindset that there is no God? What are y'all's takes on that? Well, I think most of the things, um, or probably one of the reasons, is that somehow they get tired of their family trying to um, impose a fate to to them, uh, which the parents are in the right. You know, they have the right, and and that it's actually their duty to give, not impose, but kind of like teach the faith teach what they believe uh, um, but their baptism they yeah exactly they, make, they make the promise the church, they made right. a promise but somehow and it's not like it's only happening now I guess everyone you know when, once we were a teenager or something we go through that typical phase when we're like oh I'm tired of going to mass sure. I don't want to go to mass anymore I don't even believe because it's normal you know whenever you're a kid you you do things because I mean, you have to, you know, you're a little kid. Once you're a teenager, you're starting feeling kind of like, like this false independency. Autonomy. You're, yeah, you're autonomy. To, yeah. Like, oh, I can do, yeah, I can lift, I can <laughs> run, I, I can, can do, do all these things for maybe myself. I'm, maybe I'm stronger things. than my dad. You know, yeah. you're starting feeling all those things that m make you think that you might, you know, you can choose your own thing or you can, you know, you can separate from, uh, from your family somehow. So it's it's a it's a classic rebellion, I guess, for everyone to say, uh, I don't want to do these, and and of course the social media and all the internet is just mm -hmm. a huge factor in this. Uh, they, you know, we receive a bunch of lies from everywhere. Sure. Uh, so sometimes it's not only like a personal conviction. I think that the ones that are really agnostic or atheist, whenever they're in middle school or high school 
the ones that are really, really into that and they like, no, I know for a fact mm -hmm. that this, this, and this, and this, it's a very low percentage. Everyone else is just either pressured by their friends, either rebelling to their parents, or they're just in this constant mood of, I don't care. And I don't yeah, bother. I don't bother to check it out, to study, or to mm -hmm. at least to listen. I, I don't... I don't care. So not necessarily means that you don't believe, but means more like you're you apathetic. Yeah. You're apathetic. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think that's one of yeah. the reasons. Apathy is definitely a big reason, I think, for that. And I mean, there's so many factors that go into the rise of atheism and agnosticism in our, in our society and our culture. Um, you, know, you can go all the way back to like the Enlightenment period where there was a bigger focus on science and philosophy and moving away from uh, religion and the authority of the Catholic Church that kind of dominated all of Western culture, uh, you know, for centuries up until that point. And it was almost kind of a rebellion against the authority of the Church uh, in, in some ways. But then also, you know, as we move more into a self-centered culture mm. uh, as we move away from the family dynamic and more of an individualistic culture i think that has a lot to play with it and jorge you mentioned that there were you know people that are seeking that may not be agnostic but think that they're agnostic and that, i think we've all been there we've all had this as part of our journey we all have to make that decision of do we believe if god exists and if he does is he the god that he says he is and we have to accept that that's a choice we all have to make mm -hmm. regardless of whether we've been cradle catholic or not it's just part of the faith journey and so i think as ministers we have to recognize that and sometimes it's hard for us to remember where we were in those times yeah because it might have been quicker for us that sure. might not have been an issue for us it mm -hmm. might have just been oh yeah like i i get it yeah god's real and he's a good god but Makes Other sense. people really, really struggle with that. And right. there's a lot of factors that go into it. Mm -hmm. Upbringing, um, their experience. I, and it, that's what our faith is built on. It's, it's built on an encounter with a person, an experience. And there's been a lot of push on logic and logically thinking through things really since that Enlightenment period. And the narrative kind of is, well, if you can't logically think through it, then it can't be true. But that mm. directly contradicts the virtue of faith because our faith goes beyond logic. That doesn't mean that it's false or it's a, hmm, that may be true. I can't think through it logically. No, it is true because faith is a gift. It's, it's a grace. We can't have it without God giving it to us. And if you think about it, think about the, the major things that have changed you in your life. And I'd be willing to bet that the majority of them, if not all of them, have been an experience that you had, not some nugget of logic that, that you suddenly came into. For some people, yes, it, that's definitely part of their journey. But for most people, it's an experience that changes the way they live their life. And so for, I think for a lot of people, um, atheists and agnostics haven't experienced the love of Christ in their life. And if they have, they haven't allowed it to affect them and transform them. Yeah, even C.S. Lewis um, was an atheist at one point, and he's one of the more uh, brilliant modern theologians of our time. And he 
wrote in Mere Christianity that it was harder for him eventually to defend atheism than it was to defend Christianity. He says it was more illogical to be an atheist than it was to be a Christian Mm -hmm. based on his own experience and and his research and thinking about that. Mm -hmm. So there's so much that goes into these things. That's a classic uh, St. Thomas, the apostle, Mm -hmm. always trying to figure out things Mm -hmm. with logic. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, Jesus gives him like kind of that, like that treat. Okay, sure. Here, look, touch my wounds, whatever. I'm kind of like, giving you the explanation logically, but blessed are those who believe without seeing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, sometimes God will kind of like help you to understand, you know, in, you know, in kind of logic or something, or he kind of like, um, give you for your side or like, you know, oh, okay, this is what you want. Sure. Okay. I'll, I'll show you, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you a miracle or whatever. But blessed are those who who really have faith and and you know believe in me without without sin. Um, I think you know that's that's something very interesting that even Saint Thomas uh, the apostle, being one of the twelve, had this experience, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, that not because you feel that you are atheist or agnostic or you just don't believe, it doesn't mean that that you are, um, how can I say, like you're not loved or like we don't love you or that we don't trust you or that you are our enemy or anything. St. Thomas on Easter, you know, on resurrection, after being made like for years with Jesus, he, you know, he didn't... Knew Jesus, was a friend of Jesus. Yeah, he didn't believe. Was intimate with Jesus. He still couldn't... Yeah, exactly. And and and, And he's just like an example for everyone that... Yeah, sometimes you are very close in the church. You might go with your parents to all the activities, all the duties they have in the church. And not because maybe at this point you don't believe doesn't mean we want you outside of our church or something. Like we're, we don't welcome you. On the contrary, we want you to be here. You know, as the apostles, we embrace you. We welcome you. We, okay, come on, don't leave us. Stay with us, you know. Come to the next meeting or whatever. Um yeah, and, and it's not to say that logic is bad or unimportant. Oh, logic yeah. is very important. It's, sure. it's a gift that we have as rational beings to think critically, to think logically, but it's not a limit to our faith. You know, our faith isn't limited to logic. And that's the beauty of our faith, too, is it's not based on an intellectual set of ideas. It's it's based on an encounter, an experience. And we have to balance both of those as Catholics because we, we've all had experiences that we thought were one thing and then later found out that, well, I didn't experience what I thought I experienced. Or uh, this experience has affected me, but I can't really explain it logically. And that's fine. But then also having logic, if we do experience something And then to go back to logic and say, well, is this really of God? What I know about God and logically can think through. Mm. Uh, I'll give you, I'll give you a brief example. I remember one time I was, I was praying and my windowsill was, uh, it was raining outside and I felt like a sprinkle on my face. (laughs) And I thought, well, no, this is definitely like God, like I came out of nowhere, like God is like anointing me. And then then later what I realized was there was condensation. You had a leak in your... Yes, there there was condensation that was built up 
into my window and it had splashed off the blinds and onto me. And it was like, well, that's, that was the logical conclusion. Mm -hmm. And sure, I might, I could have, you know, taken it that way, but it wasn't a miracle by any means. And even our church investigates. Right. So many of these miracles with logic, what they, what we know to be true. It's not just, I had this experience. Oh, great. Hey, you're a mystic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's, let's think logically through this. Let's look at empirical evidence based on, did you really have a mystical experience or were there other factors that can explain what you experienced? And it's it's not like in the mother church, we're just like a bunch of people believing without proof or anything. You know, Mm -hmm. most of the... Uh, the greatest scientists and doctors and theologians and uh, people that are recognized because they, I don't know, they come up with ideal electricity or I don't know, whatever. A bunch of them, they were priests and Catholics or bishops or, you know, uh, scientists that were Catholic or something. And, and, and they, um, they came up with ideas that are science and logic uh, for the war, but at the same time, they were Catholic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we, we've got a couple right here that I jotted down about. Um, so those of y'all in school, uh, <laughs> when, when you're studying the sciences, um, you know, you, you've probably heard of the big bang theory, right? Not, not the TV show, r- not the TV oh, show. Man. Yeah. The <laughs> actual theory that, that, you know, the universe, everything came into existence from, an explosion. A, an explosion, yeah. A cause, and then who, expanded. Who made that cause to happen? Um, and that was that was developed by a, a Belgian priest. His name's Father Le, Lemaitre, I think is how you say his name, or Lemet. But a Catholic priest came up with that that theory that we've been using for a very, 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 very long time. Um, At least two centuries, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then also. Um, you know, we, we study genetics eventually and genes of species and of our, of our, uh, of our nature and all of that. And, um, that was developed by an Augustinian friar and his name was Gregor Mendel. So yes. crossbreeding peas, <laughs> of all things. <laughs> so, so when someone says to you, well, I tend to believe in what science proves or tells me and, um, and so I believe in science. Yeah, that that proof in science, maybe um, you know, it it helps the atheist to believe that. Well, you know, we are going to discover all these things, and and it's us with our minds that we can um, like we're we're the most powerful, uh, most knowledgeable creature. Um, are we? Like in it, the entire universe, well, are we really I, that great? I, don't know, I think we said it already in you one know? of the last episodes, um, the story of St. Augustine and mm-hmm. his understanding of the Trinity. Would yes. you mind saying that story? Yeah. Uh, the, the story goes that he's at the beach and he's trying to figure out the Trinity. And he sees this kid putting, uh, digging a hole and then going and putting water from the ocean into the hole with a pail. And he does this a couple of times and... Uh, Augustine goes up to the kid and was like, kid, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense what you're doing. And he says, well, I'm trying to put the entire ocean into this hole. And that was a revelation for Augustine who realized, oh, that's what I'm trying to do with God and the mm-hmm. Trinity. I'm trying to cram this into my finite brain, this mm-hmm. infinite thing into my mm-hmm. finite brain. And uh, then he looked up and the, the kid was gone. There was no footsteps, completely disappeared. So uh, Augustine believed that he had 
seen a vision of Christ as a child mm. doing that. Mm. Yeah, and in the same way, uh, yeah, yeah, of course, we are actually encouraged to go and study and, and go deep in your faith and look for documentation and everything. But at the same time, there's a limit where we can reach. You know, we have limits and God is un unlimited. God is yeah. infinity infinity. So yes, we can we can there's a point where we our can minds comprehend so yeah, much. Comprehend so much where, but where there's there's still yeah. that part that is almost fifty percent or way more that you have to believe and just have faith. You know? Mm -hmm. You can have like one hundred percent of certainty about certain things. And I'm I'm no scientist, but it's from my understanding as a you know, in science, you really can't prove anything you have different levels of of proofs so to speak or uh like you have an uh you have a hypothesis you know and you you test it and then mm -hmm. that can turn into a theory mm -hmm. and then if the theory recurs enough then it becomes an, a law but even a law is not a hundred percent ironclad like the law of gravity it's it's a law because it happens 99.9 percent .9 of the time But it also leaves that little bit of leeway of, well, it we can't say definitively that this is 100% objectively true all the time. Whereas with faith, we can, because God himself has given us that divine revelation that says, this is what I tell you is without error. Mm. And it's in, infallible. Yeah. But you have to have faith to accept that. But, even, but science can't prove anything. It's all a working... Theory, everything's kind of in fluctuation. And if you even just look at scientific beliefs, you know, centuries ago on the uh, anything, like with the the Earth being the center of the universe, like that was that was science, that was fact, and now we know that it's not. Um, and you you brought up genetics. We didn't know genetics existed. Uh, Darwin didn't know genetics existed, or DNA rather didn't know G DNA existed when he was developing his theory on evolution. evolution yeah. And so those things have become fact today, but they're always in flux. Whereas in the Catholic Church, the things that we've believed have been constant. Yeah. Our traditions have changed because those aren't dogmatic; those aren't infallible. But our core beliefs. Those are dogmatic. Those are infallible, mm -hmm. and they will never ever change. Yeah. And, and Good point. I, Father Mike says, if Jesus is not who he says he is, then nothing makes sense at all. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if Jesus he's not he's not resurrected, then Saint Paul says, then vain is our faith, mm -hmm. uh, or you know, there's no reason for us to to believe. If Jesus is now king, if Jesus is not the Christ, if Jesus then You know, we're, there's no... Uh, I think St. Paul says, like, I'm the biggest fool in the world. <laughs> right. Like, if Christ did not rise from the dead, like, I'm the biggest <laughs> yeah. idiot. <laughs> you make me fool. Like, you make me look like a fool. <laughs> 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 like a, it all comes back to Nacho Libre. Of course. I believe um, in science. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think just from our human nature, you know, as you were talking about St. Thomas, you know, we all, deep down, just want to have that tangible experience of something real. Mm -hmm. Like I can feel this table. I know it exists because I am grabbing onto right. it and I can see it. Um, you know, the food I eat, the, the taste, the senses that are ignited from when I'm experiencing those things, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, 
some of us are are lucky enough to have experiences where we do experience a presence of God, um, something we can feel, something we can sometimes hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, but a lot of people don't per se feel or or have that presence or that experience of God so profoundly in their life. And, um, but how often do we take for granted, like the miracles that are right in front of us? Every yes. Day? I was just about to bring up you the know. sacraments. Okay. You know, the like, sacraments are outward signs of inward grace. They mm-hmm. make the invisible visible mm-hmm. because we are tangible. We've been given a body, but we've also been given a soul. We, we are made up of spirit and, and body. And the, the sacraments are tangible signs and even more more so than signs they're they're just tangible ways that we experience god the most uh pinnacle the highest pinnacle of that being the eucharist Mm. that we we eat it we feel it we touch it we taste it and i think for a lot of catholics and i was there once too and sometimes i still am is that has become such an ordinary means of worship that all of a sudden it doesn't feel special. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every time you go to the altar to receive the Eucharist, it's, all right, you know, I've done this every Sunday. It's kind of lost its, you know, uh, glamour. Yeah. And we, we're desiring this big neon sign from God to make us feel special. Like, yes, I see you. <laughs> I believe yeah, I believe in you, God, now because you've given me this this big grand gesture. But he does that for us every time we go to the altar. Mm-hmm. And we forget that because it's become such an ordinary way of experiencing him. And that's that's kind of a, the beauty of our faith is we have such an unordinary way of experiencing Christ. But we do it so often that we begin to believe that it is ordinary. In fact, uh, now that you mention it, it just remember the gospel from today, mm. Nathaniel. Your favorite story. My favorite story. I relate so much to Nathaniel. Uh, you know that God, that Jesus says, "Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree." And then Nathaniel says, "Like, oh, yeah, he saw me. Whatever, you know." Then he must be who he is, Rabbi. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus says, "Do you believe because I told you what I saw you uh, under the fig tree?" you will see greater things than this. You know, so uh, sometimes we were, we're just like Nathaniel asking for like proof. I, now that you just mentioned, like um, there are some things that you can make sure or like know for sure. Like I'm, this is a table. This you made this. Yeah, is this oak? <laughs> <laughs> that you, you know, you make, you touch the table and you make sounds. We can see it, Brad and I, we're, because we're here. But now that I'm, you know, I imagine the people who are listening right now, they don't know. See. They can just hear us, you know. They don't know. Maybe you're lying about this table. Maybe there's really no table. Maybe yeah. you, they, it's yeah. really just the sound of Ben's head knocking against his <laughs> we're, we're just laying on the floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but but it's a matter of trust. They, oh, yeah. they trust a in us that you said, I, this is a table. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting a table right now, whatever. It's, it's a matter of trust. And you cannot go on the world just doubting everyone and everything how exhausting will be if you just go 
Can I go to McDonald's? Yeah, sure. May I have a burger? Yes. Is that a burger for sure? What about the meat? Is that a real meat? What about the bun? Is that what about lettuce? Is that a real lettuce? You know, just questioning everything that wherever you go, how exhausting that be, you know? But it's also true with science. You know, there there are scientists that run these tests. Yes, of course, but at the end of the day, you still have to take them on their word of what they they have experienced exactly. in, their, in their experiments. And yeah, you can test them again and that's what makes it more of a, a logical thing is to, can you replicate this and get the same effect? Like that's how things become more evident and closer to being objectively true. But you really have to start with somebody's testimony about mm. this is what I've experienced when I ran this test. Wow. And our faith is no different. Our church was built on the testimony of many witnesses. Yeah. But there was still also tangible signs that Christ resurrected from the dead, the empty tomb, uh, you know, being with his apostles, St. Thomas being able to put his finger into his, his wounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the... The conversion Emmaus. of so many people yeah. from Jesus the being... The pilgrims of yes. Emmaus. Yeah, the road to Emmaus. Even St. Paul, he says... Uh, you know, I've as one born abnormally, Christ appeared to me. And so even Paul well, has this very yeah. crazy experience. And even Jesus being a historically real person. Yes. That we can track through records and... Yeah. I think sometimes when we knowledge. talk about Jesus and it's like, well, Jesus was... It's a myth. He's either a myth or he was just some yeah. gr- great divine teacher. Mm-hmm. But uh, C.S. Lewis has this argument. I don't know if he penned it, but he definitely popularized it. And so he says there's three options when you talk about Jesus. Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. He is who he says he is. That's what I was saying when I quoted Father Mike. That's mm-hmm. exactly yes. what I that's- Yeah, so it's like, well, if he's, a, if he's a good and moral teacher, then he can't be a liar because he's talking about that he's the son of God. So if he's good and moral, then lying would go against, against that. that belief. Well, and then if he's, if he's delusional, if he's, he's delusional, if he's crazy, people aren't going to follow him. Logically, you don't follow a crazy person, right? Right, and not that as many people that did. You might get a few, but not to the extent that Jesus did. So you're left with the option of oh, he is who he says he is. He is the Lord. He's God. That's the only logical mm. option. And who do you say that he is? I didn't, I didn't yeah. know that was C.S. Lewis. I thought that was Father Mike. Yeah. No, <laughs> I was like, man, he's a genius. Wow. <laughs> well, and so talking about testimonies this is a good segue for us to maybe share our own personal experiences of God's presence in our own life. Um, and I've got many that I could talk about. Um, I do want to share one more recent, though. Um, it, and it concerns with you know my wife and... Um, and her uh, her her story of when she was um, well, the doctors thought that she had um, a, a cyst on one of her ovaries, mm. and uh, this was before we had Zaylee. Um, Zaylee is our fifth child, and she's going to be three in November. She's the cutest little thing. But anyways, um, so yes, Christina, um, she just had this this one. One night, she, she just had this horrible, horrible pain in her in her side. Uh, and to me, I thought maybe she, it was like appendicitis or something like that because she said it was like near here. And oh, those tacos. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just said bad gas or something. I don't know. So uh, second yeah. reference to Nacho Libre yeah, today. Sure. <laughs> sure. Oh my God. Um, but she was in immense pain, and 
it, it was really, really bad. And um, for those of y'all who know my wife, she's she's um, a pretty tough cookie, and she's got a high, high pain tolerance. Um, but this was just something she couldn't shake off, and for most of the night, she was in immense pain. So I was like, okay, when are you going to let me take you to the hospital? I need mm-hmm. to take you. And she's, of course, like, no, let's save the money. <laughs> let's not go to the hospital. I'm going to toughen this out. So we didn't ever go. Um, and then by the morning, she did feel better. Uh-huh. Um, she definitely wasn't 100%. But uh, it was something that she was able to work through. And, um, you know, through, you know, from that moment on, she was, uh, you know, in this state for a couple months, three months maybe. Um, but in all of that, you know, she was the, the doctor she had been seeing about her cyst on her ovary they were making plans to have a surgery to remove that ovary in case it was a, a cancerous situation. Um, and so it's, it comes to be the day of the surgery. We get there to the hospital and um, successful surgery. Everything went well. Um, the doctor comes to me and he shows me this picture of my wife's interior. Um, and it looked like a bomb had gone off inside of her. Oh, gosh. So he then starts to explain to me, okay, so what happened to your wife was she didn't have a cyst on her ovary. She had an eptopic pregnancy. Oh, no. So what that is is um, when uh, the egg is traveling to through the fallopian tube to the uterus, mm-hmm. um, it, it, I guess it, I think it comes out, outside of the fallopian yes, tube. Yes, yeah. And it starts to grow there. Um, it doesn't make it all the way. Yeah, to the it doesn't uterus. make it all the way to the uterus, and so eventually it grows and grows, and then it's going to it 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 won't continue, but it it can rupture, and so it ruptured my wife's fallopian tube. And if y'all don't know, it's a very very dangerous situation. Like women die from that sort of thing if it doesn't take care of. That's Imme- incredible. Immediately, yeah, like immediately. So she was in that state for two to three months. Just with her, with her insides being exposed like that to all the toxins and all of that. Wow! And she was perfectly fine. And so um, I called my sister. She's a doctor, and I told her what had happened, and she was just amazed that my wife hadn't had to go to the hospital before that, or didn't even get sick or ill and, and die from her condition because. As I said, it was a very serious condition, and um, women when women die from that situation a lot. So um, for me, that was just um, a sign that God was watching over my wife and watching over my family and 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 giving her um, just grace, whatever it was. I don't know, but it was uh, definitely God holding her up and keeping her safe in that time until we could discover what really happened to her. And, um, so she's, I consider her to be a walking miracle, <laughs> I mean, she, you know, and, and there's several other stories like that throughout my life, um, that have happened where I see God's hand on that. I don't think those are coincidences. And that's, again, that's where you have to choose to believe. Okay. Was this just something, some fluke, or is this something that, you know, with my faith and what I know about God and what I believe was God, was he taking control of this situation. Briefly tell the story about whenever you were born. All right. When you were born? Yeah. So another thing, the women in my life are really, (laughs) really awesome women. So my mom, 
she went into labor with, I'm a twin, uh, she went into labor with me and my sister, and um, she, we, we were delivered safely, we were fine, but she had internal bleeding. Mm. And the doctors were working as hard as they could. They would, they, they were, um, you know, blood transfusions to get blood back into her system, but it would just like pour right back out. And she was losing a lot of blood and the doctors had no idea what they were going to do. And they, they were trying all these things, but nothing was working. And so they pretty much told my dad, look, it's out of our hands. Um, this, this may be the last time you see your wife. And so my man, my, my dad has always been a, a man of faith, a strong man of faith. And um, my grandmother, my mom's mom was with him. Um, and she just passed away a few weeks ago. But um, my father and her, they went to the chapel and they, they prayed. And, you know, when we experience those uh, scary situations in our life, it's, we tend to just like try to deal with God. Lord, just you know, Bargain make the yeah, make yeah. the situation okay, and and I'll I'll go to mass every Sunday. I'll do all these things. Just please don't let this happen, right? Mm-hmm. But my dad, he just prayed for God's will to be done, and he said, "If this is your will, Lord, take my wife, but I don't know what I'm going to do without her." Yeah. Okay. So my grandmother was praying. Dad was praying. And my dad, he just, he said he felt this peace come over him, like really warm feeling. And he just had this peace that everything was going to be fine. Everything was going to be okay. And so they walked back from the chapel to the room where my mom was. And before they could get there, one of the doctors comes out and he's looking kind of confused, you know. And he he approached my dad. I don't know what to tell you, sir, but your wife's going to be okay. The bleeding just stopped on its own. So it's those times in your life, and, and like I've said to y'all before, like not everyone is going to have these types of experiences, but these experiences, they have to, they, they, they lead our hearts to think, to, to search out what, what is, how, how do these things happen? Logically, we can't understand them. We just can't. And we have to have that faith that someone's taking care of us. Like, I was talking so, to your dad today in the yeah. morning. And on, he told me the same story. That's what I asked you to say. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned that uh, your your mom went for a surgery, uh, and she was supposed to be. It was supposed to be like a very short surgery, that it will last forty five minutes. So what your dad told me is that he was in the chapel, praying with your grandma, mm-hmm. and you know at minute number forty five or whatever, uh, he went out, uh, and you know for the sur- to see how was the surgery, and the doctor said we didn't even get to do the surgery. I mean, we're just trying to figure out why she stopped bleeding out of nowhere. And he says that the doctor said, in all my life mm-hmm. as a doctor, I've never seen something like this. There's no explanation, explanation for it. For this. Uh, your your wife just stopped bleeding. We didn't need to do the surgery. And your dad was saying that when he was in the chapel, uh, he kind of received a revelation that said, um, your wife is fine, mm-hmm. you know, she's fine, she's fine. And then he just started telling everywhere, you, you know, your grandma. Uh, your, she's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, everyone, he started saying, hey, she's fine. <laughs> How do you know that? Because I believe, because I, 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 
because I believe it's it's a faith, it's a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. I believe God told me that she's fine, so I know that she's fine. Uh, so it was very amusing to me that that whole story. That's what mm-hmm. I, I asked you uh, to say. Uh, but but yeah, in, I mean in general, it 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 goes all back to the leap of faith. You know, you can have all the proof, all the facts, or everything. But even having all that evidence in front of you, you still have to say yes or no. You still have, you still have to jump or do that leap of faith. You're like, okay, I'm going to immerse in all these, mm. um, in all these, all these facts, all these whatever you call it, reason, logic. I'm going to immerse in all of these. But it's a decision. So yeah, uh, I remember going to St. Mark a couple of weeks ago when Trent Horn. Oh yes, yeah, was there. Yeah. And I, I listened for a while, and he was saying that he was, uh, I think he was an agnostic, or he was just trying to find. Yeah, there was a point in his yeah. life where he's a very intellectual guy. So yeah, he was, uh, he was just searching. trying to find the real church. You know, so he went to many churches and and just starting to uh, study what they believe in order to find the right one. Um, you know, so it's, I don't think it's a, it's fair to say, oh, I don't believe in God without even trying mm. or without even researching or without even moving a finger, you know, if it's, if it's yes, okay, go full for it. If you don't believe in God, show me. I mean, it's Till, a lot easier to not believe in God because yeah. then your life is, uh, because it can, you just say no to everything, right? No. And it, 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 it doesn't take anything aside from saying no, no. What a sad no. life. I don't want to say no all the time. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it takes a lot to say yes. Yeah. Yes. I do mm. believe. Yes. Uh, he's alive. Yes. He has reason. Yes. The mother of God. I mean, it takes a lot of, of things. But no, it's an easy answer. Oh, no, I don't believe you. And you can bother to explain and give like a whole podcast that we're doing right now. And by the end, someone might say, ah, that's, that's whack. No, I don't think no. I that. it's so easy to say no. Yeah. The difficult part is to say yes. I was discipling uh, one of our youth uh, several years ago. And you know, he's a very intellectual thinker, like an Aquinas mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Augustine. And he was coming to me with these arguments, and it, it was great. I was challenged by it. I hadn't really thought a lot through a lot of these arguments. And so we went and we kind of explored them together. And what I found was that a lot of the arguments, they sound really good, but you really start to poke holes in them and they deflate really quickly. But one of the things that we constantly talked about is, okay, uh, you always have to keep seeking. Even if you think you have the right answer, have the humility to know that you don't have all the answers. There's always something new to be discovered, mm-hmm. whether that's I'm coming from uh, atheism to agnosticism to Catholicism, or that I'm, I've been a Catholic my whole life and I'm still discovering things about my faith. I'm still discovering things about God. You know, we've all had those experiences where I thought, well, God, I thought you were this way, but then now with this encounter, this experience, or even just this understanding that I, that I have through further study, you're, you're not exactly who I thought you were. You're greater. And so there's always a progression, no matter where we are in our faith, whether we claim to have no faith or have all the faith, there's, there's always something to learn. There's always something to, to grow in, in that. And I, I mean, I, I don't have the experience that, that you've had 
with uh, Ben with those sorts of things. I've had people in my life who had experienced those things. Like mm-hmm. my uncle, when he was born, uh, he was born with a collapsed lung and an enlarged heart. And they had him in the NICU for a long time. They were trying to do these things. Eventually, the doctors told my, my grandma and my grandpa, just take him home and love him because he's not going to live. Like, there's nothing we can do for him here. And as they were leaving, there was a nun that was mm-hmm. at the, uh, I guess she was one of the ministers, and she gives them a coin with St. Jude on it. Nice. And she says, um, go pray to St. Jude. And so my, my parents, as faithful Catholics, like, okay, well, never heard of St. Jude before. We'll ask for his intercession. So they prayed to St. Jude asking for his intercession to heal my uncle. And for two months, my grandma did all the treatments with my uncle. And just he just seemed to be getting better and better. And she's like, I was kind of waiting for him to pass away, and he never did. Mm-hmm. So they took him back to the pediatrician, and they looked at him. No sign of collapsed lung, no sign of an enlarged heart. Like, everything was completely fine and normal. And so from then on, any time that there was a decision to be made with my uncle, they always asked for St. Jude's Mm. intercession. Even when he was a senior in high school, my grandfather's in construction. And he was having to move, I think, from uh, like Arlington to Houston or or maybe the other way around. And they thought, well... uh, you know, Jim is a senior. Can we really uproot him in the middle of his senior year? He's a baseball player, things like that. And they've said, well, we'll go to St. Jude and we'll just look for God in that. So they said that they made the decision, yes, we are going to move. And they're watching TV. And then somebody came on and was like, here's where you can donate to St. Jude. Because <laughs> that's what they said. They're like, if we if we hear from St. Jude like and understand, like we'll donate to the St. Jude Hospital. And mm. uh, that's what they did. So they donated a large sum of money to St. Jude Hospital. So it's like St. Jude mm. has always had a very special relationship with mm. my uncle. Uh, and they, I, according to my grandmother, he's written up as a miracle baby in uh, some hospital in Chicago. Uh, uh, yeah, for awesome. a little bit of context for everyone who's listening, Saint Jude is a patron saint of lost causes. impossible causes yes. or lost causes. Yes, uh, which is you know in Mexico, uh, Hispanics we tend to make Saint Saint Jude or how the way we call him San Judas or San Juditas mm-hmm. as a very superstitious saint, mm-hmm. and sometimes we put it upside down, <laughs> like for yeah. I mean, I don't, don't like, but do that. that. But, but <laughs> yeah, but Mexicans have these superstitions with mm-hmm. Saint uh, with saints, and especially with Saint uh, San Judas, Saint Juditas, or Saint Jude. Uh, but if you do that. Don't <laughs> please stop. <laughs> stop yeah, right stop now. right now. Right. Saint Jude is a good patron saint, uh, a good saint to pray to for impossible causes, but not mm. to put him upside down. In, in a teaching moment, for those of you who might not be Catholic, um, when we say pray to, we don't mean like we're we, we're worshiping that worshiping them as God. Uh, we are asking for their intercess- intercessory prayers on behalf of our causes um, to be brought forward to. Our one mediator, yeah, in Christ. Um, Because these were people who lived on the earth who were devoted to their faith and devoted to God. And And are now sitting at his throne, like right right in front of him. Right. That his will is completely in line with their, like their their wills are completely in line with his. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we ask the saints for intercession, they take our prayers and they perfect it. Mm. And because they mold it to God's God's will Mm. and then they give it to Jesus, who then gives it to God the Father. Especially with the intercession of our Blessed Mother. She Mm -hmm. magnifies our prayers before 
our Lord. So we have a lot of help with the communion of saints. Um, and a cool day today because we celebrate the feast of the Saint archangels, St. Michael, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael. Um, and so I, I think this conversation has been great, guys. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that you'd want to share except for like maybe for you kids out there that maybe um, have friends at school who don't believe. Um, you may be thinking, well, how do I approach them? How do I have a conversation with them? Um, what if they're so closed off that they don't even want to talk to me about that sort of thing? How, how should I behave? How should I interact with them? What would y'all say? I would say just first hear them out. Like, hear what their, their arguments are. It could be that they've had a negative experience that has led them to believe that there is no God. Or maybe they have had zero experience and they just are logically thinking through these things. But hear them out. Let them express themselves. And then don't try to answer everything at once because we don't have all the answers a lot of times in those situations. And a lot of times atheists uh, pose some very good questions against our faith that take a lot of thought thought and logic to think through. And so um, it's you can... You can debate, or uh, debate's not a good word, but you can have a conversation or dialogue with an atheist pretty well about the faith without having faith-based arguments. Like, you can still debate with a atheist using purely logic mm. geared towards the faith. And in fact, that's how a lot of atheists have, uh, have become Christian, mm. is they don't have faith-based arguments. It's not a faith-based argument that really sways them. It's a logical argument geared towards the faith mm. that has converted them. I I would also challenge to any of our listeners who, listeners who may be feeling that they are an atheist mm. mm-hmm. to be open to... And know that you're not alone. Right. Just, just be open to listening and, and having a conversation um, rather than just saying, well, no, this is what I believe and I don't want to discuss it. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're all challenged to, to grow and to, um, to seek for the truth. Like that's one of our, that's one of the things about our human nature is we want to find find the truth. Um, and you know, we believe that as Catholics, like we have the fullness of the truth within our church. But, and I'm not saying that, um, to, t- to tell you atheists or agnostics or whatever that you're wrong. I'm, I'm just saying that being open to hearing another point of view or to be open to um, to be vulnerable in that, in that state um, is only going to help you in the long run because if you're, if you're constantly closed off to, to sitting down and having just a friendly conversation, a dialogue in this regard, um, you know, it's... It's going to be a lot harder for you to uh, to experience, um, you know, the the things out there that can help you be led to to God. Um, and and so, if you if you're really wanting an encounter with Christ, whether you're an atheist, agnostic, or a faithful Catholic, you can ask God to give you those things, and He wants to give you. Uh, himself. He wants to share himself with you. And yeah, going off what Ben said, the Lord does so much with open hearts, but he can't do much with closed hearts because we won't allow 
him to do anything with our closed hearts. And so if you truly are seeking an experience or an encounter with Christ, uh, the first step is just opening yourself up and being vulnerable, taking that chance and not being afraid of change because an encounter with our Lord does change us. It, mm-hmm. it challenges us, but it's for the better. I was, I was taught since I was little that uh, this sentence, Jesus is a gentleman. You know, he will enter to your house when you open the door. Mm-hmm. He will not enter if you do not open it. So it's, it's kind of like going to the uh, free will, mm-hmm. you know, that we have. Jesus is not going to force you to believe in him. Yeah. He will enter once you said, yes, Jesus, come, show me, yeah. teach me. Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. Mm-hmm. Whoever exactly. opens the door to me, I will come in and sup with him. I will eat with him. Like he's not bearing down the, the door with a, a, battering, <laughs> a battering ram. Like he's not going to force his way in. He, he will... Be there for you mm. when you're ready for him. Mm. And I have a question for everyone else, you know, faithful Catholics. You know, sometimes we ask, oh, man, why are you so atheist? Why do you believe? I mean, why you do not believe? Why, whatever, you know? We might have to rephrase the question f- directed to ourselves. What am I doing with my life that might not reflect that Jesus lives or that God is present? You know, how am I living in front of everyone that I'm not sharing this real presence of God? You know, uh, in, in, in St. Therese Novena, uh, one of the prayers for today, it says, I reflect you to the world, Lord. Help me to reflect you more clearly. You know, um, atheist people, agnostic people, they're always trying to look for a sign, for a evidence. Then you be the evidence. You be the, the presence, you know, uh, behave uh, I think St. Francis of Assisi has some kind of quote that sometimes you might be the only gospel that people will read or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, your your uh, live testimony. That will be the only gospel that people might have or encounter. So instead of asking, oh, or judging, oh, why do you believe? Oh, that you. guy's an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> no, then you better work more in yourself. Like, how can I be more present? How can I have... Jesus more present in my life? How can I be an instrument of his mercy, of his love, of his presence, so he can, so people can see him through me, through my life, through my testimony, through my actions and words? Um, so yeah, you might ask that to yourself and, and, and just reflect on that. One of the things that I, I try to reflect on, I, I do it very poorly, but um, <laughs> I, I love the idea of the monstrance, right? Like the monstrance amplifies the glory of God. It, it, it puts it more on display. Like the, the Eucharist itself, Jesus himself in the Eucharist is all the glory we need, but the monstrance gives uh, a greater amplification to it. And we really kind of need to be like that. We need to be a monstrance because of Christ lives in us and how we amplify or, or, um, share that glory of God uh, in the way that we live and the way we walk, as you, as you mentioned, Jorge. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate the discussion, guys. It was I really enjoyed this discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just want to, you know, pray for all of those people out there who do struggle with belief, who um, maybe have hardened hearts, who um, aren't wanting aren't wanting 
someone to change them, change their life, change their way of life for this reason or that. But um, we just pray for our community, our teens, and our families, and that we can be the living instruments of Jesus' love to them so that they do have that tangible experience, that tangible evidence of God's love for them in their life. So why don't we close with that prayer, and um, then we'll be signing off. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for being goodness. We thank you for blessing us with everything that we have um, with our lives, the, the way you take care of us um, for Jesus, for his, for his death, his resurrection, um, for the spirit that you breathe into us. All these things, Lord, um, we just thank you so much. And, and Lord, we especially pray today for all of these people out there who doubt your existence, who have chosen that you are not real. Um, we pray that their hearts be opened for change. Um, we pray that they can allow for your presence to fill them. We pray that their uh, their lives, within their life, they can they can see those little miracles, uh, those signs of wonders that are only from you. Um, we thank you for the gift of faith, and we we continue to ask for your guidance and uh, also through the examples of the saints that uh, we can continue to trust and not be shaken when we are um, when we are challenged with difficulties in life. For we all know that we will suffer. We all know that we are going to face trials. Um, but help us to have that steadfast faith. In all, in all circumstances, whether it be in a joyful part of our life and a sorrowful part of our life. Lord, help us to not waver. Help us to be example of your light in a dark world. And we ask for the intercessions of the archangels, St. Michael, St. Gabriel, and St. Raphael, um, this day as we close, also with uh, the intercession of our Blessed Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Well, well, thank you, everybody. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> thank, <Bye>. you. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for, for uh, listening to this episode. If it's your first episode that you listen, and mostly because we ask you to listen and <laughs> we're giving you extra credit uh, <laughs> for listening and making a summary of this, thank you so much for you know taking the time. But also, you might want to hear the other episodes. We have 14 more episodes. These are actually our episode number 15. Mm -hmm. So... You know, we have way more episodes. Feel free to listen to them. And don't forget to follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Rate us five stars on every platform. Look for our social media, Instagram. And, and yeah, I hope you have a good week. I hope you encounter Jesus and God and all that evidence that you've been looking for. That may God give it to you so you can believe. All right. See ya.